Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show. This is the Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, pop art painter Jamie Rocks, and this is the big show. Um, I, first off, I want to thank everybody. Uh, I had not announced it on social media. <laughs> um, as people know, we uh, we went on vacation last week and, um, you know, had a great time. Went to Disney, the most magical, happiest place on earth. Had a, had a great time. Stayed at a nice resort, Saratoga there. And um, came back, and my wife got sick. Danny was very, very sick. I was kind of making fun because we had met up with some people, and everybody always gives me a hard time. Uh, Everybody my wife knows are huggers. I am not. So I was kind of making fun a little bit. Um, Like, yeah, the guy who doesn't hug didn't get sick. See? There you go. And the universe said, I love irony. Here you go, Jamie. Have, you can have the worst head cold, you know, ever. And no, it's not. It's it's just a summer, fall, autumn cold. Um, no lines on the test. I've been checking it all the time. And uh, But, yeah, unfortunately, my voice is a little off. And uh, I apologize if that grates on anyone's nerves. I'm doing the best I can. My wife's got me drinking some, some sort of Chinese herb tea that um, – Man, this this is great. I and I know it's not COVID because I can still taste a lot of things, um, or you know everything. This this tea tastes like a donut. They should market this bottle and sell it. It's great, it's fantastic, and it's helping a little bit. So I am very very, uh, and I want to thank everybody. I announced that last night. I want to thank everybody who sent me um, uh, DMs and whatnot, uh, you know, wishing my speedy recovery. Me too. Me too. Very, very cool. Hey, today I'm super excited, though. Um, we weren't changing the show because we, uh, we've got just fantastic guests this week. And this guest today, I have not talked to in person in years, man, in years. And he is just fantastic. Um, he was fantastic back when I met him many, many, many years ago in the club scene of Metro Detroit. Um, and now he's big time author, uh, writing books and, uh, you know, just, just kicking ass and taking names. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> A little starstruck. Um, I'd like to welcome today author, uh, Rob Weldon, and he has written the Omnibus. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. I'm probably not <laughs> series of fantasy books. Rob, how are you, man? How are yeah, you? I'm doing awesome. So good to hear you, man. Well, I wish it was a little better, me? but yeah, I can hear you. I'm just, uh, uh, you know, I'm doing the best I can. Hey, man, so the last time we hung out, I think was 1994 or something like that? <laughs> I, I think it was 95. Uh, the last 95. evening that I, the last evening I spent in Detroit before moving to L.A. 
um, mm. a bunch of us pre pre-gamed at your house, and yep. then we all went to City Club and had a great time, and then we post-gamed at your house again, and I think I left <laughs> at sunup. Like a lot oh, of man. people were still there when the sun rose, and uh, yeah, and that was the last time. That was my last evening of of living in Detroit back in that era of debauchery. Weirdest thing, it, you know, it, I moved. It was. I moved to Southern California um, oh, years ago, but I had finished up school in Boston. I left Detroit, went to Boston, did school, said I need to get the hell out of here, um, someplace where there's no snow. So I moved to San Diego. Great city. Don't send me emails, people. I love your town. It's a little dull. <laughs> it is in L.A. Uh, so I was in L.A. every weekend. But um, yeah, people ask me all the time. They're like, what is San Diego? I'm like, imagine Cincinnati with a beach. Um, beautiful, <laughs> but it's a little dull. Um, but anyway, one of the first things I noticed about relocating to California from uh, especially growing up where we did is the uh, the lack of drinking. People in L.A. go out, they have two or three drinks. They're good, you know. Detroit, oh, my yeah. God. And they go to bed earlier, drink too, like, like the club scene. The club scene, I remember going to clubs at 1230 in Detroit, and then <laughs> out in L.A., it was like, man, they're, they're, they're doing last call at 115, you know? It's like, what is this? But yeah, it, it's a different place, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, the thing about L.A., too, which is uh, really kind of put a, a stamper on, on, you know, helped curb my drinking a lot was um, you never know who you're talking to in L.A., um, who you're going to run into. Right. And deals might be going down and stuff, and you don't want to be messed up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Might not get that no, first question again. And uh, Detroit, right. everybody's like, eh, who cares? <laughs> so very cool. <laughs> I did not know. Now, I remember you were the first person that the gang, all of us that used to go out, Got, got like a real gig in the music world. Like, n- not just, yeah, I'm in a band. Yeah, we know. You know, whatever. Uh, you were actually, yeah. you know, working for A&R yeah, it was, stuff. And well, it was amazing. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. I, I you know, I, I was going to Wayne State University when, when we met and we were going to clubs and stuff. And um, I was only, I was 22 and I got hired by a record company, IRS Records, to move to LA, and I was underqualified. <laughs> I wasn't even green, like like I hadn't even sprouted yet. And um, I got you. But you know, it was a. But you know, they, they, they you know, they saw something, whatever. Maybe I, I talked well enough. I, I don't know. But they they had hired me and I had moved out here. Um, and yeah, it was actually West Coast promotion. So I was working bands to radio. So I had to talk to K Rock out here in LA and Live on Five in San Francisco and even down in San Diego, um, K I O Z and ninety one X and whatnot. And um mm. oh it's just it's weird because I I'm naturally an introvert. Like I'm the guy that just right. kinda of sits in the corner and you know, I, I, not creepily watches because I may not be looking at anybody or anything anyway, but I like being alone in public. And uh, I had to break out of that shell because I had to walk up to people with my hand out and just shake their hand and say, hey, what's up? I'm Rob. You know, what are you doing? And let me tell you, that was scary as hell, being 22 years old and being <laughs> thrown into that situation. 
Like, I, I don't think I was built for it, you know? Yeah, it's very true. I remember you, you had that vampiric quality about you. All the gals <laughs> had a crush on Rob. Let me just say it. They, some of the guys we hung out with. Um, but all the gals, definitely. And um, But he had his shit together. And you may be saying that, you know, he kind of didn't. But to everybody else, it seemed like you really did. You moved. You were the first one to leave. And, um, you know, it was. It was amazing. Uh, many times over the years, I've, I've wondered, what, you know, what happened? To, I had no idea you were a writer. Didn't have a clue. You know, it's what's amazing. funny is that I, that's, that's what I went to Wayne State for. I had a scholarship for writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, we had to take an internship somewhere uh, in the Liberal Arts College. And I chose 96.3 FM which at the time was WHYT and it was a top 40 station, but they actually like paid you minimum wage. You weren't supposed to tell anybody nice. you were getting college credit, you know, right. but uh, that's what I went to school for. But when, when I got that job offer, I'm like, you know what? Music's my other thing. I, I quit my band. I broke up with my girlfriend, uh, left everybody I knew and, and just hauled out here, but at least I already had a job. So it wasn't like I had to go right. here and slum it completely. Um, but yeah, that's what I went to school for. And the pandemic, I, I'd always been writing, you know, on airplanes and mm-hmm. you know, airports and hotels and whatever, just sound checks, not till, you know, seven o'clock. So from six to seven, I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the bar area, you know, scribbling in my notebook and um, we're, we're three really crappy books um, never got published. Um, but I, I guess I was still honing my skill, finding my voice, whatever. And yeah, it was absolutely. a pandemic that really, it was really the pandemic that did this. Um, this series may have started in September of 2018, but it took me two and a half years to get through, like the, basically have a first draft. Cause I wasn't, That's amazing. I just wasn't folk, but I wasn't focused enough, you know? So when I finally mm. did that it was about 18 months ago, um, I, I started writing sequels and a streak started uh, May 17th of 2021. Um, I think as of today, it's 520 something days later. Uh, I've written every single day for the last 520 wow. something days. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just something completely snapped. And this is all I do now. This is all I think about riding my bicycle to work or taking a shower or talking to people at the bar I work at. That's literally nice. all I do. So weird. Nice. So, so you would you would know that if you were hanging out with me now you would absolutely know that I've been writing. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, so cool? It, it seems that the muse is upon you, you know, and that yes. is uh, my writer friends. I'll tell you uh, a lot. It happens more so to comedian um, friends that I have that that try to you know that are writing their stand up routines and whatnot. Um, they get the muse goes away and they're just dead in the water. You know, there, there's no wind in the sail. And um, it, it, it seems really, really cool for someone like yourself when the muse is upon you and it has stayed upon you. You know what I mean? And, and you're using it. You're using that rocket fuel. It's fantastic, you know? Um, yeah. And also, and what's funny is that – go on. Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying about the muse. It's like I don't feel like I'm writing 
something that's flowing through me that's coming from somewhere else, the way other people have described what a muse is. Um, mm. For me, it's more like I had this idea. I wrote it down. I was fleshing it out. And then after I'd finished that first draft, I sent it to a mutual friend of ours. Uh, I don't know if you remember Eric, but he used to uh, come with me sometimes to these, uh, these clubs. Um, mm-hmm. I'd sent him the book to be, for him to be the beta reader. And in the meantime, okay. I, I developed a pretty good flow for all the writing. So um, I started writing a sequel. And in 30 days, I had knocked out a sequel. And he still wasn't done yet. So I wrote another sequel and another sequel and another sequel. I literally wrote seven sequels in seven months last year. Mm. So when I went back to edit and revise book one, all these characters were like, Rob, I wouldn't say it that way. That's not the way I talk, man. Like they right. were telling me how they talk. So it wasn't like this this authorial muse behind me controlling my fingers with all these characters mad at me for writing them wrong. So it's a different mm. sort of muse in a way, you know, they corrected me and I fixed everything for them. You know, that's amazing. That is amazing. It is so cool. And it is so hard to describe to people, um, not in the creative world. And I don't care what you do. You, know, you bake bread, whatever. Um, paint, right, it doesn't matter, be in a band, when the, when that spark, when you're lit up with that spark of just being able to get the paint on the canvas in the way you want it to be, you know, um, the words on the paper um, or on the screen, it, it, it's, it's indescribable. There, there's, and I'll tell you folks, you know, I, I tell people this all the time, they're like, why are the Rolling Stones still touring? They don't need the money because they're hooked on it, man. <laughs> That's why oh, yeah. there ain't no better drug. <laughs> you know, it's, Oh yeah. And, it, it and it's funny because like, for me, it, for me, the, the drug isn't even doing podcasts like this or, you know, people coming up and having me, you know, sign books while I'm at work. And that's, that's the thing about being a bartender is people know where to find you so they can come up and do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, I mean, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy that, you know, but that's not why I do it. Uh, why I do right. it actually is the process. It's the sitting alone for six or eight straight hours and knocking that out, and I get a buzz from it. It's like a shot of dopamine. You know, everybody's addicted to playing Wordle. I mean, I am. And you get that mm. little shot of dopamine when you, when you solve the puzzle. And, but I get that once or twice an hour while writing, I figure something out. I'm like, oh, my God, of course that's what it, this is. And you fix it, and you get that same little shot of dopamine. I just sit there like a miter box, pressing it with my finger all day. You know, it's amazing. Right. And then when I'm burned out, I'm not, like, burned out like, oh, done. It's more like, no, I'm done. I guess it's time to go to sleep. Like, it doesn't. Absolutely. Like, I'm not, I'm not wasted, exhausted. It's like I'm just done, you know? Yeah. Yeah, going to bed. No, this could change. Good feeling. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. No, no. If I work a, a really busy shift at, at at the bar, I absolutely come home and I'm God, oh, God, I'm dying. But I never feel like that after writing. Like on my off days, right. if I write for ten hours, I don't feel like that at all. I just feel blissfully ready to go to sleep. Maybe blissfully, is absolutely, you know, an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. I'm very similar. I um. With, with in my little world, uh, the painting world, I love the painting process. I love being by myself. People ask all the time. They're like, 
why don't you work with other artists? I'm like, because I don't want to share my little thing that I've got. Uh, that's why. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're like, oh, you got all these parties and blah, blah. I'm like, I hate that. My wife is very good at working a room. I'm horrible at it. I'll be out front vaping yeah. at the gallery or something, and she'll <laughs> work the room, come out, get me, come bring, lead me back in. Okay, you need to talk to this person yeah. and that person and this person. And I, um, I'm just care. I'm telling you, at a lot of the uh, <clears throat> man, my voice, and a lot of the gallery things I got to do is um, you usually have to speak. You know, oh well, I was thinking this when I did this paint. You know, that's what they want, and I hate yeah. doing it. Um, I hate speaking in front of people. People are like, you do a podcast. I'm like, it's different. I'm in my little area here. Yep. I'm not in front of anybody. At these events, yep. people, they, one of my things is, you know, crazy hair. And I'm usually wearing sunglasses. And uh, what a lot of people don't know, I'll admit it, but uh, I have a pair of sunglasses that are, you know, aviators that I've painted the insides black. And so when I have to speak, right. you'll see me change my glasses so I don't see anybody. Yeah. Oh, no way. That. Yeah. It's just one you, of my little you realize that You realize that's going to end up on one of my characters, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I, have a, I have a pair of, um, a pair of girls that are they're awesome people, and I, they inspired me to make this, this, uh, this couple in – uh, me a spiritual emporium, and actually they repeat in the sequels as well, but maybe not as much as in the first. But uh, uh, in the book, they're called Paula and Derby, and they market okay. biodegradable and sometimes glow-in-the-dark sunglasses and whatever, but they market them online and whatnot, <laughs> and they sell them at the Emporium. And uh, that just reminded me, so now I'm going to have to have, like, the, the omniscient <laughs> pair, because omniscient are, are, are people – they get on stage at the Emporium and they, they spout their theories about worshiping the goddess sleep or the goddess of FOMO, oh, okay. who's FOMOTALIA. So I can absolutely have somebody has got a fear, like maybe, maybe they're agoraphobic and they have to go on stage right. and speak. And they'll put on Paul and Derby glasses that'll be darkened from the inside. See, you just totally <laughs> jumped into my book, Jamie. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Lisa, I love it. Well, the interesting thing about this, you know, I was reading – the um, now we have links, folks. Uh, before I get too ahead of myself, we have links. The first link is to the uh, Rob's Amazon page, where you can pick these books up. And um, I was reading the the synopsis, I guess it's called, um, of these sure. books. They sound fascinating. This sounds something right up my alley. Um, you know, just very very cool. Uh, could you kind of explain the world in which these takes place? Absolutely. So I call the no, no, no. Of course, but I mean, there's no point in getting ahead of two, right? Um, right. The, so the universe, I call it the Omnist. Uh, it's the Omnist series okay. of books. Uh, the Omnist is an app that I came up with. It's it's sort of like think like a dating app, like Hinge or Tinder or Cupid or whatever, where theoretically the more questions you answer, the better they are at matching you. But in this case, they're matching you with gods to worship, with prayers to recite, with omniscience to see speak at the Emporium, um, you know, reminders, whatever, merch to buy at the Emporium. So uh, the thing is, anybody can use this app, obviously. So they could be witches. They could be undead. They could be guiding you through that particular book, one of the protagonists. So that's the universe. 
and that's the spiritual hub of the universe. But the geographical hub is Constantia Spiritual Emporium, which is the brick and mortar store on Lancashire in North Hollywood. And um, nice. they, Connie, who is Constantia, Connie, um, you know, she's an ex real estate agent. She had her license taken away from her by the state of California, and she doesn't believe in magic, but she knows okay. that these stories sell the products. So if you've got a stack of yoga mats or prayer mats, um, and let's say they're 30 bucks each, she knows that if she takes one of them and says that a monk died on it, she can sell that for 10 times as much money. And so that's the kind of stuff that she does. And, but she doesn't really believe in magic. But if you open a store that sells magical items, magic is going to find you or else there's no story, right. <laughs> you know? So, right. of course, she doesn't believe it when magic does come. And so that's, that's what the Emporium is all about. Um, oh, so in that first book, so in that first book, she's facing the reality that all this thing, all these things that she thinks are fictional, and then maybe not all of them, but some of the things that she thinks are fictional are actually real. And of course, by wow. the second book, it takes another step. So no matter how much magic shows up in each book, there's always going to be charlatans or bad actors or characters that are trying to capitalize on this stuff. I mean, to me, that sounds like reality. You know, that's mm-hmm. what that's what happens on a day to day basis. So I, I, it allow it gives me a forum where I can talk a lot about just society in general and how we treat things, whether it's fame or commercialism or religion. Um, you know, even dietary needs. You know, a lot of people are plant based in this series because I, I happen to personally work at a craft beer bar that sells a lot of plant based food. So we get all types that come in, and I, I wanted to write something that was more inclusive to include everybody that I deal with on a day-to-day basis. So some of these Absolutely. people show up as so some of these people show up as consumerians, as like just background characters, even though all the main characters are completely fictional. Um, I do sort of represent some people that I know because I think it's kind of cool. It's like a little nod to them, you know. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www dot j-a-m-i-e-r-o-x-x dot u-s Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store, it's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Bay Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time.
My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.loveshackapothecary.com. As well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Rockscare, the online webshop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings, from La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. That's awesome. That is awesome. You're 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 putting them in your world. You know your universe. It's so cool. It's well, it sounds like a fascinating series, and um, these are available, folks. Um, I'm looking at the Amazon page right now. We've got Kindle, hardcover, paperback, all formats. Um, it's amazing. And I don't want to shake the tree too much pre-Halloween. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner, all your Yule holidays, folks. What a, <laughs> I'm telling you the cool thing about books and gifts that I like. Number one, it's classy when you give somebody a book. Number two, and it's, it's way better than giving somebody art. <laughs> Let me just say, unless you oh, really, know really know the person, um, you know, everybody, I've been gifted art before. Didn't like it, but i got to put it up. <laughs> you you're, you're an artist. <laughs> you're an artist. Yeah. It's like you could say that you're making the art that you want to see. So you certainly don't want somebody giving you art that's emulating what you're doing. And you certainly don't want something that's so off the left field where you're like, don't you even know what I like? I'm doing right. stuff that I like. So 
so in a way you might be putting people in a no win situation inadvertently. You know? That's true. Um, That's true. But, but, books but are you a know great what? Gift. I love these, they, these this this story. Let me ask you, Rob, the um and this obviously fantasy world right now, uh Neil Gaiman's uh, very popular. Did you watch the um the uh what was it, Netflix or Hulu or something? I can't remember the the Fan Man series. I had never read the comics. I I went into that knowing nothing of that world. Um, All of my goth friends always read them. Uh, My wife, same thing. She loved it. What was your thought as a professional fantasy author? Did they do Um, a good job? You know, I I don't know. Um, I've read like eight of Neil's novels. You know, whether it's Neverwhere or American Gods or Good Omens or uh, whatever. Um, I've, I haven't read Sandman. And part of the reason that I've been able to do this giant writing streak that I'm on is that I got rid of my Wi-Fi at my apartment mm. and my cable satellite. Uh, so I no don't distraction. have distractions anymore. No distractions. Love and it. if I need Internet, I go to Intelligentsia Coffee, which is two blocks away from me. Go to 33 Taps, which is a a craft beer bar that uh, is across the street from me, kind of more of a sports bar, actually. But um, they have Wi-Fi, they have air conditioning, they have things that make it easier for me during the summer to, to work if I need them. But for the most part, no, I don't. So I have not seen Sandman yet. It will be seen by me. I just don't know when. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. That's brilliant. Uh-huh. Uh, that reminds me of um, uh, the interview I read with William Gibson and um, everybody, you know, Neuromancer and all that cyberpunk stuff and uh, one of uh-huh. my favorite books he um somebody had asked him they're like well obviously you're a tech guy and you do all this he's like no not at all <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, and they couldn't believe him and i did you know yeah. he, he admitted he, he said you'll notice in neuromancer no smartphones missed that completely <laughs> because i'm not yeah. my fingers not on the pulse i created a world that i thought was cool and um you know, that happened. And you know, the, I think the only person cool. that, yeah, and the, the only writer that I feel like, I mean, I've read like a half a dozen William Gibson books, and he's great, but he tends to be what's happening right now and maybe moving mm. it ahead a couple of years. So he's not super far off in the future, at least with the other books that I've read from him. But Neil Stevenson, uh, when he oh, wrote yeah, Snow Crash yeah. back in the, yeah, and yeah. He, he's the first one that really predicted what the internet and social media and g- online gaming and and um, uh, avatars, you know, living your life through an avatar, uh, in some ways the metaverse. Like he literally already right. had the metaverse down, and we're talking 30 years ago. Like, and and, and we took back to the Tower of Babel, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's <laughs> packing crowds. And there's that spirituality angle that I'm working on, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking about that last night. I was watching the, uh, you know, I'm sick. I'm on the sofa. I'm, I have not discontinued my Wi-Fi. Maybe I should. Um, it's not a bad plan. I, Rob, you'll be proud of me. I do not own a smartphone, though. Um, not for any No way. Cool just, it's very true. People are amazed. Do you have like, a laptop? No, do not at all. Cool I mean, Kia? <laughs> no, I, I have the computer that I use, and people are like, what if someone wants to leave you? I got like I got a voicemail. 
My wife has it. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. My wife has a smartphone. She's got the latest iPhone, whatever, and um, I'm always with her. So if the missiles are flying, I figure she'll get a heads up and, you know, let me know to duck and cover in time. I would say that you're sort of the same, the opposite side of the same coin as me because I may not have Wi-Fi and, you know, uh, uh, cable and whatnot, but I do have a smartphone. I'm the opposite of you. You've got those other things in you know, but I need uh, now. Well, I absolutely need this because it's my only. I'm not a complete luddite. You know, like I can check right? my, my news and my email. I mean, because you and I were exchanging emails at you know five o'clock in the morning. Like that's I can do. I don't have to go find something open at that time. I can actually do it right. on my phone. Right. Well, you know, the the interesting thing is I I slipped into the TV last night, looking at the like an idiot looking at the news. And uh, I saw this uh, this news story happened at University of Tennessee. They won the big game, big football game. And the crowd, of course, as they do at these things, uh, took the field and everybody was pandemonium. And they tore the goalposts down and marched them and threw them and the, chucked them in the Tennessee River. And uh, the news story <laughs> was not necessarily about that, but the university had set up a, Go, a GoFundMe page to replace it. And they had already made $160,000 um, to wow. replace these $10,000 goalposts. Anyhow, <laughs> I was watching that. And that what I was, thinking, I was thinking about um, Neil Stevenson, who you mentioned, and the whole crowds and, and, you know, in that, we all know in that story, yeah. you know, what happened and whatnot. And I'm, I was thinking, I was watching this, and I'm like, then I was thinking about January 6th, and I'm like, you know, people go into riot mode pretty pretty damn quick these days, you know? I mean, it's, <laughs> it doesn't take a lot. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a bad thing that sets them off, a negative thing. Um, these people were right. just happy. Something happened that they had nothing to do with besides going to the game, uh, you know, and they – yeah caused all the damage it was it's crowds are crazy man crowds are crazy and you, you don't even strike me as a football fan Mm-mm. no i just <laughs> saw the, i i saw the headline about the ghost i'm like what yeah and i'm yeah. thinking in my mind i'm like actually i did get on the computer i will admit i did go a little nuts on this i got on the i'm like what is the tennessee uh tennessee state uh football What's, what do they make a year? You know, I looked it up. $90 million and they're doing a GoFundMe pay. I'm like, come on. Yep. Give me a break. Well, they get, but they're getting ads. Yeah, but, yeah, no, they but are. they're getting headlines for it. They're getting headlines. It's a, yeah. it's a publicity stunt. You know, they now there's going to be more money coming in the coffers from their big donors uh, that had, right. actually have nothing to do with that GoFundMe. You know, right. you, we, you're, you're looking at it going $160,000 when you're miss, we're both missing the uh, – the sixteen million they're getting from their their alumni right. for this event. You know, Absolutely. It's a, it's a, I, don't know. I guarantee it's a much, much bigger story than what we're seeing. You know? I don't know if if you went to Wayne State, I don't know. Um, yep. I went to UMass in Boston and for the first five years after graduating, man, they were hitting me up all the time. I'm like, what are you talking about? I already paid you all this money. What do you need more for? <laughs> and I'm still broke, you fuckers. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, this is, 
<laughs> Are you going to offer me some more class? What, what's my end on this? <laughs> yeah, no. Can you imagine? So, yeah, you know. sorry to bring it back around to this, but uh, in the in the book, um, the people, the regular customers for the Emporium, they're called consumerians, and uh, consumerians will will donate money to the omniscients that are speaking and buy their merch and those sort of things. It's almost like a mm-hmm. rock concert. But um, they, uh, Connie had set up this this next level of consumerian called an executive saint, where you pay X amount of money for a year. Um, I don't know, subscription or whatever. Um, and yeah, like you're a now Patreon. an executive saint. Yes, that's exactly right. But now you have access to throwing private parties at your house or you're invited to the other private parties nice. at somebody else's house where the omniscients might come and hang out. And just, it's, you know what I mean? It's something away from there right. that's more private and less public. And of course, you know, in the book, you know, a certain type of person goes crazy for this stuff. But I imagine that when you're saying that your university is hitting you up, I'm, I'm now imagining the Emporium hitting you up, you know? <laughs> exactly. But, but what, you you, know, what are you getting out of it, though? You're getting, you're getting invited is, to a private party with the professor. Yeah, you, <laughs> you get yeah. something. You get something. UMass just want well, you get to tell people that you, you know, are part of the – I'm like, I, nobody gives a shit about that, especially me. I was um, – and now, folks, a couple of quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www. Dot J-A-M-I-E-R-O-X-X dot U-S. Hey, rockers. This is Stacey Lane Wilson, author and editor of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series. I have a new podcast that features interviews with musicians, artists, authors, filmmakers, and music historians. In season one, I interview Phil Susan from Ozzy Osbourne's band, Scott Crawford, the director of the Cream Magazine documentary, Lisa S. Johnson, the award-winning author and photographer of the books 108 Rockstar Guitars and Immortal Axes, just to name a few. The Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast explores the dark and mysterious and sometimes funny side of music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. Enjoy on RSS or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrine, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember, T-O-S-O-T-S dot com, Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books, 
uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, the quotable Edison, quotable Henry Ford, uh, quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and, of course, the quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very, very cool, um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes & Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A-L-B-I-O-N.com, MichelleAlbion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out, folks. What I wanted to say is your world is so cool with with all of this, with the ominous and the, the all of this, this universe you've created. You know, it reminds me almost of a cat um, back in, if you mind the pun uh, for his second book there, um, of a guy, an author in the, uh, I believe it was the 40s, who, uh, science fiction author, who said, you know, this is a pretty cool book I've written. Um, we need to be tax-free. We could almost start a religion from this. Yeah. Oh, geez, yeah. Could you see yeah, we know I can see going. this happening. You are so on the nose with the pop culture that's happening now. Done in a cool, well, fancy I'll, way. I'll, I'll, I'll say it now because I've had people ask me this, and uh, I'll just, I'm saying this out loud so that it's in, in I, know, I was going to say in print, but I guess it's in audio. Um there is no religion here. Like, I got you. Te- theoretically, every single person, every consumerian has a different religion, technically. Uh-huh. Because when you sign up for the Omnist, after you've answered all those questions, they assign you like a, a god major, a god minor, and a smattering of other gods for seasoning. But nobody is going to have the same PGP, personal god package. So there is you. no religion. Yet, it's super encompass it, it's very encompasses all religions but connie as a rule no uh no hate speech you know no no right. no uh conspiracy theories you know no violence etc uh, it's not you have to be okay with other people being who they are if you're not then you can't be a consumerian you can't be an executive saint you know nice. you will be you will nice. you will be banned you know man that would come in handy when i was Rolling cleric characters for D and D a million years ago. Um, (laughs) We just had that big hardcover book. This guy looks cool. Yeah, I'm gonna worship him. No, you're not. (laughs) No. Love it. Bad. You're good. Um. God, that was gives me a flashback. (laughs) Twelve years old. Um. Let me ask you, Rob. No. You had this whole, because you were the cool club guy when I met you, you know, and, um, you know, and you got the cool job and moved to L.A. and everything. Before that, when you were a youngster, uh, I assume you grew up somewhere around Metro Detroit. Um, I think you were West I was, Detroit, right? Like I was, Ann Arbor? Uh, almost. Uh, to, to you, it would have seemed like that, I think, because you were just, you were in Detroit, but you were kind of West Side, but within the city limits. I was in Garden City. Um, okay. Which is still West Side, okay. but I was born right. I was born in the UP, so I mm. lived there till I was ten years old, and my parents divorced, and that's when we moved to Garden City, and then I was in Garden City from ten until 
22 when I moved to LA. Nice. Nice. Let me ask you this. When you were a youngster, when you were a young lad, did you know yep. that writing was uh, being an author was the path and showbiz? You, you mentioned you were in a band and you know, you had other yeah. uh, interests as well. Was that I, always, it was always like a two. You know? It was always, yeah, it was always a, a sort of a twofer for me. It was one or the other. I was going to work in music um, but I didn't want to be on stage. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't, I could perform like in the sense of, you know, being the rhythm guitarist. I, I didn't mind writing my, most of the songs. Like if people, you know, it's amazing how many people want to play in bands, but they can't write worth a damn. So I'm not saying that I could either, but at least I was trying. And um, we, I, but I didn't want to be the lead singer. I didn't want to play solos. I didn't want people to look at me. I wanted to turn my back and face the drummer and, and just jam, you know? Like I wanted to experience it. I didn't want to be looked at experiencing it necessarily. So, but music, yes, was one of the two things. And the other one was writing. And I remember once when I was in college, my, uh, my grandpa who we lived with, he was like, so what do you want to do when you grow up? You know? And I, I don't know. I want to be a writer, I guess. And he's like, well, what have you written this summer? It was summer vacation. Like nothing. Like I've been, going to clubs, jamming with my band and whatever. And I knew that saying I want to play in a band wasn't going to fly with him. So I figured, well, writer, that's just a little more literary. It's a little more collegiate. So he'll be right. okay with that. And still he's like, well, you didn't write anything. Well, you know that writers write, right? <laughs> he literally said that. <laughs> yeah. You know writers write. I love it. And, and point taken. If you're not writing, you're not a writer. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like people that walk around, I... I I think some people were misled by Jim Morrison when, you know, all those decades yeah. ago, he said, you know, a poet is the way you live, you know, po- poetry is the way you think, you know, you live the life of a poet makes you a poet in his mind. And I would right. go one step further and says, yeah, maybe that's the starting point, but you still got to write it down. And uh, absolutely. That's kind of where I was at. So I was not a writer, even though I had written three crappy books, over the course of 20 years, um, that's not being a writer. That just wasn't enough because they weren't developed enough. And I learned that, like, just, just, right, because just crapping out your thoughts, yes, that's step one. If you can't even do that, you're definitely not a writer. But writing, I learned in the last, really, really learned, meaning I feel it from within. Um, it, the craft is the editing, like all the real story starts coming out. And the, like I said, the characters tell you what they would say. They're all different. And you have to see yourself in those shoes. And if it's not an aspect Absolutely. of yourself, then people aren't going to, they're not going to believe that character. It's going to read wooden. Um, so yeah, it just, it's all editing. The craft is, is the redoing and the redoing and the redoing. And if, I, I won't let my editor see anything until draft five. And then I do two more drafts, maybe three, and then I and then I hit it to my proofreader, and then it goes to my um, the guy who does the uh, the artwork. Uh, his name is Dustin Stanton, and he's fantastic. Phenomenal, by the way. He, uh, yeah, whoa, he's amazing. Blown away. And he and he works on like the visuals that you see for like American Horror Story and for um, all the Paul Thomas Anderson films. So mm. like the work he does is just amazing and. You know, he hires teams to do this stuff now. He's like you know, the equivalent of like in the music industry, we would have called an executive producer. You're hiring 
people. Right. You're not necessarily getting rolling up your sleeves and doing it all the time the way you used to. And he said that he liked, I'm not, I don't mean to sound like I'm putting words in his mouth, but he did tell me that um, he enjoyed doing this because it was like he could get down in the trenches again. And this is what he used to do right out of college. And, you know, I guess he's well, getting amazing. something out of it too. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing work. It, it, it looks fantastic. I mean, this looks like, you know, real high end. Um, and I know I'm telling you folks, it ain't cheap when somebody, you know, I've done a, a smattering of album covers and this and that myself. And, and, you know, those aren't hundred dollar paintings, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, yeah. but they gotta be, they can't look like hundred dollar paintings. That's the trade off. Um, they gotta be right. Yeah. And, and these, these look great. I, um, I'm so impressed uh, with the, this series of books. And I don't know if anybody picked up on this. You know, all the Sherlock Holmes is out there. Um, we got six more books coming, and I bet you there's more behind that. Uh, if <laughs> well, I'm not funny, wrong there. Book, book three is 100% done. Um, I'm just waiting on cover art, but, you know, I don't want to <laughs> get ahead of right. myself. But I did, you know, it's going to come out the end of January. Um so that that's cool. That's already done. Um, I'm on draft five of book four, and I'm delivering that to my editor on Monday. Or I'm sorry, on Tuesday. Amazing. So I've got another week to to knock knock through the final pieces of this, and that'll probably come out oh, April. I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, there, I, I have eight. I have eight books. Uh, book nine was already done. I mean, I'm sorry. Was the notes were the outline was done, and I had eight or nine pages of notes and I was ready to start that first draft. Uh, Cause you know, this figure was flying. And the only reason I stopped it, I turned it off because I had told myself I need to publish book one before I turned 50. And I just turned 50 in September. So this wow. you know, first book come out, came out during the summer. I just made it within like six weeks. Like I just barely hit That's my amazing. deadline. And, and so now I'm not going to write anything totally uh, from scratch until I'm done with these eight books. And it might be that book nine that I've already plotted out, or it might be something new that, that doing all these revisions, like gave me new ideas and who knows, mm. but yeah, I, I don't feel like eight's the end of it. Well, the cool thing is, is we get to have you back on the show, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, I would, lo- I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Anytime, man. Anytime. These are fantastic. I want to let people know. We have a link to the Amazon, uh, to Rob's Amazon page there, where you can pick these up in, in whatever format you want. Uh, we also have links to uh, the Facebook page, uh, the Omnibus series, uh, Rob's Instagram, his Twitter. And I tell everybody, we, I know I sound like an old, people like, Jamie, we know this, but for those people my age and, and, and uh, we live in this, this electronic world. And if you dig something, Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, can you hear that? That's a weird thing. No. That's the computer. You see, the weird thing, I, I think only I can. Um, I just increased. For, it was like, you're running out of time, Jamie. Uh, no, we got all the time to go. But um, anyway, sorry, lost my train of thought. No, what I wanted to say is, um, if you dig something, whether it be a band, an indie film, uh, whatever, man, an author, like and share. It's so important. Their social media. Follow them. Keep abreast of what's going on. This is a fa- Rob will tell you, man, we're the same age. 
it used to not be this way. I had friends in bands that are like, you know, yeah, you can come to the show tonight, but go staple these 8,700 flyers to every telephone pole in town. You know, I, it was hard to get the word out. Now it takes a couple right. of clicks. And, uh, you know, and you can well, it, interact with these it people. It can. Rob, how many, how many people did we, like bands and, and authors that we dig, we never had a chance to hang out with. Well, Rob might because Rob was cool. And, you know, had those shut right <laughs> and whatnot. But the rest of us, you know, we we weren't. We might be lucky to see somebody before a show or something. But uh, for the most part, you know, you know, it's funny you know, is we, that that any any of those clicks when you know could be the one that like triggers something bigger. That that whole um, mm. cliche about the the butterfly flapping its wings in Australia causing a hurricane out here kind of thing, and um. You know, that also ignores the trillions upon trillions of butterfly flaps that did not cause hurricanes. People always right. leave that part out. But That's but true. when clicking like but when clicking for this viral thing, like it is true. You might think that your like did nothing, but it might be that you know, accumulation of of a hundred likes or a thousand or whatever that, that finally tips an algorithm somewhere and it does become that hurricane. And, um, Absolutely. you know, it's all, it's all algorithms. And if you're not doing your part to, you know, to push an algorithm, it's not going to push you. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's weird. Everybody jumps on the bandwagon of the trope. God, I hate that word, but, um, but it's true. They, they jump on this, um, you know, Oh, social media is evil and it's rotting our soul away as a culture. And there may be some truth to that. I'm not going to argue that, but, I will say the cool thing, Rob and I are having a conversation with you, the listener right now, you know, in real time, we're on opposite sides of the continent. There's some cool stuff with technology and and the internet and whatnot uh, that happens. You know, I'm not saying it's the best thing. There's not, yes, we've all discovered a family member who's racist on Facebook. We've all been through it, man. (laughs) But oh, yeah, it's horrible. the trade-off is we get to find, you know, cool people like Robin. And how, many, how often can you go to the Facebook page or Instagram and talk to an author? Yeah, they may not respond, but you know what? They might. That's a cool yeah. opportunity. I mean, Neil, Neil's, pre- Neil's pretty good, good about it. You know, I follow him on Twitter, and I, I see him responding to people all the time. You just have to say the, the thing that will pique his interest, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love when he trolls people like the haters. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. Um, yeah, pretty good. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a crazy world. You know, it's cool. And you're tending bar these days, too. Man, that's a cool yeah. character. Talk about somebody who hears stories. Whoa. Especially now. Yeah. Well, you just, you just <laughs> see a lot of different personalities. You hear a lot of different ways that people speak. And what's interesting about L.A. is, you know, Hollywood, as a concept, very, very few people are from Hollywood. They do exist, Lenny Kravitz or, you know, the guys from the Chili Peppers. But for the most part, nobody's from Hollywood. They all moved there. And the Valley has a hell of a lot more people that were born there, even though compared to Detroit, they still have a lot of transients. uh, Transients, I should say. Um, And uh, there is a culture there, but it's also still – 
you get, you're getting everybody else's culture. You're meeting people from New York and Chicago and Seattle and Miami and you get all these people coming in, they all have different ways of talking and, and they use different vocabulary and uh, there's accents. And it's just really phenomenal to me to like, get to hear this stuff. And so it's not even so much their stories, but their characters. Cause like we can right. all just sit around and, and make stories for days, you know? Um, That's it's, amazing. It's, the, it's the characters that, that are more difficult, you know, defining them and making them carving out a little space where there hasn't been a character like this yet. That's so much more fun. It's rewarding. And being in a bar absolutely helps me with that because I meet all these people. But it also forces me to be social and keeps me in practice doing what I'm doing right now, talking to you. And it's funny because, like, you and I could be talking. We could have done this without recording. And it would be a different, completely different conversation because we would just be talking right. a little bit more about our personal lives and, and whatever. But here we're talking about something that I've done in the last year and a half. So I had to get good at talking about it. So I've been rehearsing this stuff inadvertently as people have been asking me every day that I go to work. You know, so I, I sort of You're real it. good at it though. You, uh, I don't success. Thank you for saying you've that. You've got it down. But I, uh, I'm getting there. <laughs> we have to put that in your, in your, uh, plant that seed, you know, maybe the consignia needs a podcast, um, interviewing <laughs> these characters, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Well, it have, would be interesting. That in the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's I want to do the app, executive though. saint uh, perks. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You, you, you get to be, you get to be part of that. <laughs> well, I definitely think these are two great books and um, you know, folks, you can buy the paperback. I mean, you can get the hardcover, of course, if you want to be fancy and, and, you know, show off to everybody. Um, I definitely suggest that. But you can get that. It's like I, I didn't realize paperbacks were this cheap. <laughs> you know? Amazing. <laughs> need to raise yeah. your prices, Rob. Um, no, no, I don't no. know anything about that. But, <laughs> um, but they're amazing, you know? These are cool. And cool cover art. Man, you could put this book down on a coffee table and, and press the room, you know? Seriously. <laughs> Good stuff. Nice. Good, good stuff. Well, it. I know you're a busy man, and you know, you, you've got other books well, to write and, and drafts to do, and you know, you're living the life, man. How cool is that? I, I kind of really, ha I kind of really am. I've never been this happy in my life, and it's funny how like just reducing your life to virtually nil, and just doing your art really does transcend, yeah, you know, it people see it. They, they tell me that I seem happy and I'm like, because I am <laughs> question mark. Like, yeah, but I'm not doing it for your right. Or you're not supposed to be right. Yeah. That's all these myths that we have. to. Oh, I've, I've definitely had my years of doom and gloom. You know, I, I still paint <laughs> my fingernails every fall. They're painted right now. Um, nice. You know, I, I, nice. That, that's still part of me. That's never going away, but. But I've, it's something that I hold dear, but uh, I'm also not just that. I hear you. I hear you. It's, it's very true. It's, Rob, I've changed so much since we used to hang in those younger days. Man, I'm telling you, I'm in bed at 1030 at night. Otherwise, I'm, we used to start getting ready to go out at 1030, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, yeah, but yeah. If, if if I showed up if I showed up at your place at ten o'clock, you know, Jill might have still been you know doing her hair. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like 
we're not leaving yet. What do you want to drink? You know? Mm-hmm. Now I'm going Very to sleep true. at 930. You know? Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. <laughs> I am the same way. It's, it's, it's just sad. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, People are like, ah, oh, you know, kind of what's the best drug to take? I'm like, a leave, a leave in the morning. I can't beat it. Gary's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, it's coming from somebody who bought a lot of Dristan back in the day. I'll let the audience figure that one out. Um, anyhow, anyhow, gotta love that Southern California life. Well, the cool thing is, is I like these books. These are. Um, these seem right up my alley. I'll be buying these for myself. And, uh, folks, I suggest you do the same. It's amazing. And, Rob, are you, do you go to, like, these book fairs and cons and stuff? Because I met I've pretty popular people just come into the bar and say, fine. I've please. done nothing yet. This, this is so early in the process. You know, book one just I came out you. a few months ago. Book two just came out two weeks ago. Um, book three will be coming out at the end of January. Um yeah, I haven't even gone that far, but I absolutely want to do that. That that's right up nice. my alley. Um, nice. Yeah, if anybody's got any well, ideas, you know, you're on, gonna you know find find me on social media and hit me up. And, yeah, you know, you know, love start to do ringing it. I mean, with my, all these people that want to do movies based on these because wouldn't this be a cool film version of this? You know? ab- that, absolutely, I, I'm I'm open to the the streaming deals, the you know the film deals. Um, that that is the idea behind this this universe, and I I, I think it holds up with those uh, those parameters. Um, my daughter uh, goes to like Anime Expo, and she's 22 now. She goes at uh, wow. Comic Con, like she she does this stuff already. Oh yeah, hey Jamie, by the way, uh, my daughter was born in 2000. Daughter. Yeah. <laughs> She's a badass. She's way cooler than she's, she's way cooler than I was. Like she's got she's got her own thing going, and she's a cosplay girl, and she's a scientist. She goes to Cal Poly up in San Luis Obispo, majoring in biology, nice. minoring in eco, in, minoring in ecology, and uh, she's a cosplayer. So like her social media is mostly her in costume, and uh, yeah, she's a badass. I want to write books that she. That's- I want to write books that she's going to like. Then I then I know I'm hitting. No, I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's amazing, and I think it's a great concept, and I cannot wait to read these in person. And uh, I'm excited. I'm very, very excited. And Rob, I'm excited that we have reconnected. Definitely going to come back on the show. You have to. Um, I'm going to be bugging you on it. Very, very cool. Let me know when the next one's about to drop. We'll get you back on. Very cool. Well, folks, once again, these links that we have, um, I want to let you know, when we convert the show to a podcast and we blast it out everywhere, if you're listening to this on Pandora or Spotify, whatever you're listening to it on, those links stay active. So you click on the link, it'll get you right over there. You can pick up these books. It's amazing. Yeah, technology, man. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Rob, for coming on. Rob Weldon, everybody. Cool. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, man. Still cool. Still cool. Next ah. time you hang out with your with your girl, you let her know. You say, the crazy guy I knew, he says I was cool when I was your age. And he's right. <laughs> and still cool. That's insane. 
I'll talk to you soon, my friend. (laughs) Keep doing what you're doing. You're real good at it. I will. See you, man. Yep. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, Very cool. Mr. Rob Weldon, author of the Omnibus series, uh, fantasy book series. It's amazing. you got to pick these up. That's all the time we had today, and uh, pretty much all for my voice. Oh, my God. But, um, you know, just can't help it. Um, we will be back tomorrow. We're going to be talking to a, uh, a very cool indie filmmaker tomorrow. And uh, it's got a great film called The Murder Podcast. And I'm going to leave the details till tomorrow. But it's a, it's a cool twist on a, uh, a very neat idea. So we'll see you then. Have a great night, everybody. Remember the world's still a little weird. Be patient. with people. Don't be a Karen. Be patient. Be kind. And that's all I'm going to say. You know, your, your life will be better. Okay, everybody. Talk to you next time. Bye. This has been Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana Oli, Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio.